SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Ms. Maria van Amerva, good evening, ma'am. Thanks for joining us. Are you well? I'm very well and yourself, and thank you for the opportunity. Certainly. Thank you so much for honoring. Um, first things first, are you well fed? Are the people you love well fed? And are you happy and safe, relatively not impacted by COVID? I'm in the province of Pumalanga, so we are not yet in the, the hottest area in terms of the outbreak, just in good climate. We uh-huh. are very well, thank you. Fantastic. And of course, many South Africans unfortunately cannot say they are very well, and that's because they don't have the... I hate to say it, but the reality is they don't have the dignity of food. Never mind healthy yes. and nutritious food. They simply don't have food. That's correct. It is an unfortunate situation that has been brought more to the forefront now with the pandemic. How, how does then, because I mean you are in government, or formally anyway, how does a typical government program that is aimed at responding to the fact that people don't have food and to the extent that food is provided, it is nutritionist food. How typically does the department, together with its critical stakeholder, for instance, agriculture, ensure food security and healthy food at that? Just give us a background, if you like, from a policy perspective, what typically informs government's interventions to those persons who are threatened by this plight? I think there's, there's various components to that, and maybe that's that's part of the dilemma that we have. Is that with the different sectors all playing a role, and the need for a for a, a coordinated intervention. But most typically, there would be a, a social relief response to families or households or individuals in need, and that would typically be in the form of a social relief of the state grant or a, a food parcel as part of the food relief where there are individuals or households that have been identified as in need. And that would um, usually be coordinated through the South uh, Africa Social Security Agency, or SASA, um, and also through linkages with the Department of Social Development. Let's talk about now the call for action to address malnutrition in all its forms, because I think I just want to tie up what you've just said in relation to this call, because a lot of this open letter that has been ascribed to the organizations who are signatories to it, in many respects, does address what you've just talked about, and some clearly, what have always been misgivings, only made worse and or exacerbated by COVID-19, it didn't allow you thus to, to, to keep your posture, as it were, hence this letter. So marry what you've said from a policy perspective in relation to your call for action to address then malnutrition in the forms it currently manifests? I think that the challenge is um, obviously first of all the um, demand has increased um, at a at a scale that was not anticipated. So where the previous um, social relief interventions were targeted at a smaller component of the population, that demand has grown exponentially possible that existing um, structures are not able to reach as far as the, the unforeseen circumstances have demanded. There has been a, a major response from um, civil society and non-profit organizations, non-government organizations as well. Well, we may be um, aware that 
the, uh, there may not be appropriate coordination between the different interventions. So there's a lot of focus on food, but from our side, we, we want to also shift the focus on the nutritious value of the food. So food and hunger is one component, but to translate food into a, a package or a, 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 a serve, yeah, let's say a food parcel that mm. is nutritionally adequate to meet the needs mm. of the targeted beneficiaries ups the, the, the game a little bit more than only looking at a, a parcel of food, but to make sure that what is in that parcel is adequate in terms of the requirements of the beneficiaries. And also to ensure the coordination between the different structures. I'm sure mm. every town in the country has organizations from faith-based um, and civil society as well as government that have been acting on the call for um, support and relief, but to make sure that it reaches the most vulnerable and most needy. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a conversation with you, please, in your homes. What, 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 what would you say, or what, what, what is this conversation spike within you? Malnutrition in South Africa, food security, food distribution, the nutritious value thereof, your experience, where you are, your interventions, what you have seen work, what you have seen fail. Let's have a conversation to make sure South Africans do not go to bed hungry. How can we mitigate against essentially what is a social ill? Because coming back to you, Maria, South Africa per se is not short on resources. It is always a question of their distribution. And before we get to the interventions of, say, those outside the governmental framework, when you talk about faith-based organizations and their interventions, the non-profit organizations and their interventions, specifically because you've mentioned thrice, coordination or lack thereof. The more you speak, the more I am inclined to believe it's not just a health issue, it's not just an agricultural issue, but especially when you talk about children who are hungry, it becomes a social development issue. And as you would know, the Constitution places an obligation on the child's best interest at Section 28.2 thereof. How then do we ensure coordination for food that is healthy for a child who is arguably the most vulnerable in all the interest groups who want access to food security in this country and nutritious food at that? I think if we if we just put a little bit of perspective to that question, we know that the nutrition uh, rate for children in South Africa for the, for the five years is about 27%. That is chronic undernutrition. That, that comes with growth and developmental impairment, and that has long-term implications for us as a country as well as for the individual. So if we look at that as an existing problem prior to COVID pandemic, we know that the situation is, is one that requires urgent intervention. If we look at the coordination, I think that's the first question we would ask ourselves, do we know where they are? Do we know where the biggest need is? Mm. And where the most immediate safety nets or social intervention should be targeted at? So it starts with that coordination from local level um, up to um, the, the organizations or the structures that is responsible for rendering these services. So it starts with um, I'm going to say database, but that may not be the best term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to know where, where the need is. And then to order You also have unfortunate incidents where people would, you know, double dip and yeah, yeah, go to the yeah, next yeah. town and, and abuse the system. So we try to avoid that as well. Mm. The second 
of that is looking at the nutritional value or, or the um, so-called food basket that is rendered. And that is currently somewhat of a concern that um, it's not only about filling tummies, but making sure that the nutritional adequacy is, is also um, mm. for. And that is where our, our main flag is currently, or red flag is, is for the moment in terms of the nutritional adequacy looking at what is given um, for food relief. But then also, I think the, the other component that we need to consider, and you've, you've mentioned inequality, um, the underlying challenges or the underlying causes of poverty and hunger is actually um, broader concepts like inequalities in the country, mm. um, unemployment, and that underlies um, what we in the end see as hunger or food insecurity and then malnutrition. So when we look at these aspects on a more medium to long term, we need to also consider some um, more uh, regulatory and policy level options to address that and to make sure that the regulatory framework that will also make it more accessible and affordable to obtain healthy foods. Um, We know that unhealthy foods are usually more affordable and accessible the Mm. more healthy options and that can only be addressed with some um, high level um, fiscal and regulatory framework so that's another consideration that we need to look at for foods to become affordable and accessible if the callers sure if the callers at home don't engage you i do want to engage you because i had funnily enough a conversation a couple of weeks ago with the mec for social development in the free state to say that it went pear shape is an understatement. I want to focus on the data that is critical for the fair, even, and proper distribution of food because you mentioned, among other things, some of the social ills that come as a result of, I suppose, the desperation that is warranted when mm. you fit into that bracket of double dipping. So the, the geo-mapping and the identification of needs and with that the most vulnerable of these groups who are in broadly in need of social interventions, how critical is that and how governments, not necessarily mismanagement, but poor coordination of data lends itself to more of the ill than in reality could potentially manifest. That's one aspect, please, I want you to consider for a conversation after the break. And then secondly, I I do want to, in the context of the movements that are taking place in the world, how women and their role can be better harnessed if there were socioeconomic programs in place so as to create what we all know to be true, food security cannot take place properly without women being central in the enterprise of ensuring food security because we know at local economic development level most of these businesses are led by women and it's the lack of agency Mm -hmm. they might enjoy from institutions that really ought to enable them that adds to the lack of food security as we are currently lamenting which if the woman question were better addressed the food question would equally follow suit after the break on SAFM Story for another day, what my producer and I are talking about. 2123, your response, please, to those two points. The critical use of data and the prevention of some of the problems which we see society obviously trying to exploit, and women and food security, the re- the relation. All yours, Maria van der registered dietitian and nutritionist and spokesperson for the Nutrition Society of South Africa. Thank you very much, Songhezo. I think on the first point of data, uh, it is a, it's a key component of an intervention of this nature to know where the, the need is the biggest and where to prioritize. And um, 
for example, so if you pick up in one sector, like the health sector, that there is uh, individual families that need referral to have appropriate structures cross-referral to other sectors for a more comprehensive um, strategy and intervention. And I think that's uh, something that is more manageable at the local level where we have the municipal wards and um, different resources available at ward level and where people are also better known at ward level. So I think, again, that highlights the importance of different sectors and um, government departments to play together. We've got the local government and then the provincial structures. And very typically, um, some of these things are managed more at the centralised level rather than at the local level. So I think there are lessons to be learned or, or suggestions to be made to coordinate um, if it's at a more local level and definitely to address the aspects of, of um, cross-referral between mm. sectors mm. and fully, fully service um, a family or an individual when it comes to to care and support as well as social um, intervention and food relief. Sure. Second part, women, food security, the nexus? Women, food security, I think there's a a lot of of, um, attention that that, uh, should be paid to this component. Firstly, because as uh, we know fairly well, the sectors have been some of the last to open up in terms of our lockdown levels, has been the sectors where, where a lot of women are in the informal employment. So that has one component of income. But on the other side, women are still typically the the um, providers in the family in terms of looking after the the shopping and the shopping list and what should be bought. And what we know in, in the initial lockdown period where women could not, um, for example, shop around for a better price, um, you know, we could go to four or five shops because we've got an idea where to buy each item at a better price. And that was not possible. So that took away some of the, the buying power and that resulted in further expenses and increases in food expenditure beyond direct price increases. So the role of the women, both in terms of the economy as well as, as uh the caregiver in a, in a typical household mm. setup is very important. And I think it has been brought to the forefront now where a lot of the informal employment um, sector has affected women directly. Can we talk about more systemic interventions then that could be, if the policy exists, then better implemented? If policy is wholly absent on that, what could typically then drive for such policy interventions which hopefully will relate to the proper implementation thereof as well? In other words, making it a national agenda, a priority one at that, to centralise for the purposes of attending to malnutrition and food security in the country, what a great role women can play and should play and how government should co-opt them, if you like, in the distribution thereof. Yeah, and I think also the role that, that women play in different sectors, for example, you, from agriculture uh, Absolutely. and um, all the sectors where um, even towards um, how at household level, having uh, more of a subsistence uh, food garden and their role in agriculture as well as in other sectors is, is accentuated and very important the role that should, women should be playing and the importance of them in terms of decision making but as well as um, the economic power. Talking about economic power, we do know that those homes that do not necessarily suffer from no food or even malnutrition There's a lot of food still in this world, despite the tremendous hunger that there is, 
that mm-hmm. goes to waste. How, as a society, then, should we differently engage the relationship at a social level that we ought to have with food? In other words, know that this thing, in as much as one's resources might be able to allow one to enjoy, but it should be treated as a scarce resource simply because one is conscious of the fact that not every household is as endowed. Well, many years ago, when I was a student, our lecturer once quoted, and I unfortunately don't know who she quoted, but she said, for uh, the poor to simply live, the rich have to live to, have to live simpler. So for the, the poor to just have access to food, the rich have to reconsider what they do with it. So basically, I think that's a, a very important component that if you look at South Africa as a country, there's enough food for everybody. Mm. But it doesn't to everybody for different reasons of inequality, etc. But in terms of, of our, um, I almost want to say social responsibility in terms of food um, wastage and food usage, I think it is important, again, that awareness of food as a commodity that we might take for granted on our plates and in our pantries is really for uh, a next person or another family something that, that's and between them and um, wellness and health. And I think in, in that regard, we're also linking it to uh, a more global, sustainable and resilient food system where we are able to, to avoid wastage, we are able to be kind to the environment so that it can sustain us and our needs for longer. And um, in response to that, there are various structures and organizations that do utilize bulk food wastage, um, maybe from the retail sector, and that gets um, dispersed to to um, structures or organizations where there is need. So that's more at the yeah. bigger level. But I think at individual household level, um, there are many things we can do as individual families to, to fight against waste. And it starts with planning, having a little menu and meal plan for the week and buying accordingly so that we don't just stock cupboards. And then I think bottom line to me is just awareness that uh, when we take a bite of food that we are grateful for that and that we see it as a privilege because it is not everybody's privilege to to even choose what they sure. want to eat, leave alone have something on the plate. Final question in relation to everything we've talked about. Open quote, we are therefore calling on government to promote nutrition education of the public through targeted nutrition messaging and communication campaigns. It reminds me of once there was, a, I suppose, a subject called home economics in the curriculum before now. Might that equally then speak to the need to not necessarily home economics per se, but something similar to that in the education system from a young age, primary school, high school, and even programs in university to ultimately address in in sum, everything this conversation has been about? I agree with you 100%, and I think it is a missed opportunity. We have um, what we refer to as the South African Food Guide and Food Guidelines that is really based on the way people eat and how to you know, make your food choices. But our school curriculum is not, not aligned to our national guidelines. And those guidelines have not had a very far reach in terms of our broader population. So I think there's definitely space for us to make sure that our nutrition messaging is, is standardized, but not only standardized, relevant to our um, population and our target audience. And then also we have, for example, in the Department of Health, the little road to health kits for children. 
and there are very specific messages for infant and young child feeding mm. in those booklets, but to, to remind mothers that the information is there to guide them in terms of appropriate nutrition for infants and young children. But to, I definitely agree with you in terms of nutrition being part of a, a school curriculum as part of um, life orientation as a subject for that information to be relevant to the South African context and not based on more broader international um, nutrition messaging. Fantastic. Maria van der Merwe, registered dietitian and nutritionist, as well as spokesperson for the Nutrition Society of South Africa. Ma'am, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Excellent. Have a good evening. Certainly. You too, ma'am. Thank you so much for your time. It's 21.32 and the parting shot is for what we are about to receive. May the Lord make us truly thankful.